This week's episode of the Cincy Search Podcast is brought to you by U.S. Playing Card. Check out our entire line of U.S. Playing Card apparel at our website by clicking on Partners and then scrolling over to U.S. Playing Card. You can also find several of those designs in our actual stores in Loveland, OTR, and Hyde Park. Find out more about the world's top playing card manufacturer at usplayingcard.com. Now, on with the show. This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 80. Today on our show, it's all about houses with Ben Fry and Mike Hines. You get some cool history lessons when you're looking at a piece of property. It may be like a raw piece of land, and then all of a sudden you look back and you can trace down records to find yeah. out what used to be you there. Yeah. We, we did one in downtown Cincinnati. It was one of the first. It was with a, a company called Quest, and it was the first single-family house to be built in the CBD, the Central Business District. Ooh. And the guy that, that sold us the property told us it used to be a brothel. So if you like your HGTV and that sort of thing, you're going to love this episode. We cover everything from building environmentally friendly or LEED certified homes, renovating old homes versus building new homes, why neighborhoods are designed the way they are, and who gets to name the streets in a housing development. If you've been liking the podcast, you can support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and just kick in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. So now let's talk to Ben and Mike. Cincinnati. I guess we should start with uh, we have uh, Ben Fry, mm-hmm. Mike Hine. Yeah. Very good. Nice, yeah. And we'll get the uh, the preliminary question out of the most important question Where'd you go to high school? Pickwa High School. They always Pickwell, make you ask. Yeah. Pickwell, wow, that's up there a ways. Up yeah. North. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. And Molar. Molar. Molar Man. Bio, All right. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And you folks are with? Fry Homes. Fry Homes. What does Fry Homes do? We are a custom home builder in Cincinnati. Aha. Okay. I have lots of questions about that. And, oh, then, yeah. he's got some stories. and then Mike? Uh, so Build Collective at Cole Baker West Shell. So we're a real estate team and a development group. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so we do a little bit of both. All right. So, gosh, I don't know, hardly, hardly know where to begin. Do you do the housing development thing? I'm always curious about how, like, neighborhoods get made, basically. So I haven't done any neighborhoods yet. I have a guy that works for me that has done a couple. But, I mean, we've done some info. We've bought some land in East Walnut Hills, torn down four houses. We're building five townhouses. Uh, Mount Auburn, we've torn a house down, built a house. We're building two houses in uh, City Rama. So those are kind of our first houses outside of the city of Cincinnati. Then you got um, a bar going on, too, don't you? Yeah, I do some uh, renovations. So we're building out a bar downtown uh, at the banks uh, called Fishbowl at the Banks, oh, right next cool. to Turvis. So we got that going on, and another custom build down uh, in Mount Auburn with the City View for a customer. Okay, yeah, it's really ramped up pretty quickly over the past few years, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, because it's been yeah. Yeah, I, it, that seems to be a big trend. I know, especially like in Madeira, when I drive through there in Kenwood, people tearing down uh, old homes and putting up. Brand new homes. They're not really, I would say, super old homes. They're post-World War II. Yeah. They're not like, you know, 
from the 1800s or anything oh, like, like, like that. Gods and that, it, that sort of thing. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's kind that, of our focus actually. Back yeah, there. not and, trying to tear down good houses, but tear down some of the old, uh, outdated homes that haven't been touched for a little while. And that's that's kind of we go in there and with our builders and developers, guys like Ben, and we just try to find places to either repurpose as a as a house to renovate or tear down and do. So we kind of look at it, whatever the best use is. I was so going to say, Madeira. yeah, that, I'm, yeah. I'm curious because, you know, a lot of people like the old houses because I'm, I'm a subscriber yes. to Atomic Ranch, yeah. uh, all the mid-century modern stuff. And so usually people want to, you know, preserve the bones at least. Sure. And okay. build, although in some cases they feature, I know they, they're one in Los Angeles where they, they, People bought the lot and tore it down and built a mid-century modern home, but it was brand new. Yes, yes. So, like, and that happens. I mean, typically, we like. I mean, obviously, if we can keep the house and if, if it has a good structure and it's there, then we typically try to keep it. But occasionally, I mean, some of these houses, unfortunately, were built for different purposes. So, if you look at a Cape Cod that's over there, that may have. I mean, yeah, obviously, every house is a different shelf life or, or, or lifetime. Just really, what it comes down to some of the houses in Hyde Park may last. 300, 400 years or maybe longer, yeah. um, while another house in Madeira may only really have a value or a house life of, of 30, 40 years because it's just too small and then try to add on it gets choppy and difficult. Uh, but we do a little bit of both. So it's just, it's not like you just look at a house and say, because it's on this street, we're tearing it down. It's so look at it and you say, okay, hey, people want to be in, in here at 400 grand. And if we can renovate and fix it in and be in there at that price point, or we have clients that are looking for a brand new home. So we'll look for lots that are more tear down conducive on that front. So it just kind of depends. Depends on what's out there. But we try to be as, as, um, Try to be as, as understanding as possible because we don't want to we don't want to tear down people's neighborhoods and have it out there. But a lot of people do kind of consider that. So there's certain people that just no matter what you tear down, yeah. um, unfortunately, it's going to create some issues. But yeah, you I've try seen, to be respectful of them as best you can because they have a point. Yeah, I've seen some negative reviews or comments online about the the development we did in East Walnut Hills of oh the old buildings were so great and stuff. But I mean it was a it was a giant three story brick building and then. It was almost like set behind it was another smaller house. And then in front of it, they're almost like in a small triangle. So they're almost all in like the same weird lot. There was a, another real tiny house. And I mean, the Burke house, it was a really nice old, had great, uh, uh, great architecture to it. But I mean, it was just, they, they wouldn't even go in there to take the water meter out. I mean, the house was just so gone. I mean, it had just sat and uh, to, to renovate something like that, you know, that's, that's what some people want to see happen. But it's like, but is anybody going to pay for that with another really small house and all these houses being together and no off-street parking? And, um, and until you get into it, you don't really – because you may yeah. take a look at it from the outside. It may look incredible. Yeah, it looks really look nice inside, from the outside. You're like, oh, yeah, my yeah. God, this like, is terrifying. Yeah. Like, we've seen some houses inside that are – some that you can't even walk into because mold problems are so bad yeah. or just because the, the structure itself has fallen down. It's all rotten, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, so it's – as much as you'd like to keep them – I know it's happened. Like some of the ones with the IDC and stuff, from an outsider's perspective, they look like they're like, hey – why would you tear this house down? Meanwhile, inside the house, it's literally there's no floors off the back. Yeah. exactly, and, and those types of things. So, I think most people that we know they look at it both ways because yeah. obviously money comes into play because you have to make sure that the investment's worthwhile to do. But at the same time, you kind of look at it if you can preserve the heritage and do something really cool, then you go that route. But it, a lot of times, you get in these houses; they haven't been touched for. It's been raining years. inside the house for ten years. Oh, oh, there's some yeah. gross ones out there that yeah. we've seen. It just and, and, you, and you feel bad. Sometimes they're just abandoned. A lot of times it's not the ones that lived in. It's the ones that have been abandoned for four or five or six years where nobody's gone in to keep an eye on it. And there's some there's some crazy stuff that. And, and do you and in the inspection process, or do you have people that do that, or do you sometimes do the inspection process? Just kind of determine, you know, the worthiness of a of a building. 
you can kind of normally just go in and tell really quick. Uh, <laughs> the, that one brick building was so bad when we went to tear it down, they actually couldn't abate. The, nobody wanted to go inside the house to get the asbestos out, so we had to do like a controlled demolition. Ooh, and they're out there like in suits spraying the house down while they're tearing it down. So, I mean, that's wow. how bad the house was that they w- wouldn't even go inside to cut the asbestos out before they tore it down. So, yeah, a lot of times you walk in and you're like, this is, you know, beyond repair. Do you ever see anything like weird or unique from like in an old house that's like, oh, this is never seen this before? We dug up some old houses and found just giant cisterns underneath them. Ooh. Um, but the opening's too small. You don't, you know, yeah. you can kind of peek down there and see it's all bit out of brick, but mm-hmm. probably not stable enough to send anybody down in there. Yeah. What would that have been used for back in the day? Like water. water. Yeah. Oh, just water. Okay, water that's what you're saying. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Stuff, yeah. yeah. We uh, lived in an apartment in Cleveland uh, in Lakewood, and uh, we had a big wooden door by the kitchen, and it was explained to us that that's where they used to bring the ice. The building was built in the ni- uh, early 1900s, and yeah. Yeah. Refers, so they would big big block ice, slide it in the freezer, done. Cold <laughs> There's some cool ways about the, yeah, the cold, cold shoots and stuff the like that. Cold yeah. shoots, yeah. The older the house, typically the cooler the things you see inside of them. Sometimes uh, the more difficult they are to, yeah. to, to manage as well. Uh, we actually had one in Hyde Park that the back of the house had pretty much fallen off. Like So like you literally go around the front, it was overgrown, it looked pretty rough, but you go in the backyard and the entire back of the house had fallen off. So oh my like God. it was detached to where <laughs> it should be. You could see dressers coming out of the house. Oh, wow. All the animals were in there and then it was an unfortunate circumstance because that the person that lived there was a hoarder and there was a bunch of stuff in oh. there and um, you know, without getting into too much of that sure. personal, it was, it was a rough, rough situation. One of the worst we've seen. Ooh. We see ones that, I mean, there's drug addicts living in them because nobody's been in the house for two or three Squatters. years. Squatters. Yeah. 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 There was one we found that had a, a taxidermy baby fawn that was in there. We came in, walking in to take a look at the house, and we thought a baby deer was sitting oh. on the kitchen island. And we all jumped back, and it was terrifying, actually. And then you realize that somebody went to the extreme of of preserving a baby deer, and it looked as real as day. I, I wish we would have grabbed it. I'm, I'm sure somebody grabbed it before. Because that's, that's the thing about these things. Most of the time, we go through the houses, and you, you try to make sure you're reusing everything in there. So from windows, floors yeah. to... I know you're pretty savvy with that stuff, aren't you? I mean, because you try to, not to make money, but if you can take it over to Habitat for Humanity, you can have another life. Or some of these companies now, like, um, is it what, uh, Building Value? Isn't that one of them? Yeah, I think some will come in and take things out for you. Yeah, everything from from trim pieces to windows to to occasionally drywall and crazy stuff. So almost every single piece goes to somewhere else and gets either resold or repurposed versus going to the dump, which is kind of nice. You can't always yeah. do that, but it's nice. And then there's tax incentives for certain developers and builders to go do that, but it's, it's pretty cool stuff. I remember the one thing on my mom's house that's kind of, well, she got rid of it when she had the house resized. It was built in 1960, but she had we had uh, what was called a milk chute. Uh-huh. I don't know if they have those around here, yeah, but it's a th- three-bedroom ranch, and on the side of the garage, there was a, a door on the outside and a door on the inside of the garage, and they were supposed to put the milk there. Huh. Uh, they didn't consider the fact that nobody was having milk delivered anymore. It was right when that was ending. Oh, yeah. I don't think <laughs> anybody delivered milk ever in our neighborhood. There was a potato chip truck delivery for years uh, and years, uh, people might remember. But, um, yeah, milk. N- yeah. no milk was ever delivered in it, but it was always the neatest thing. Delivered something else, you know, yeah. like the old story. Yeah, old yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> now, that could be a great Amazon yeah. drop. Now would that's be, true. yeah. That's a good idea. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my should, gosh. That's actually Start adding yeah, yeah. all the houses. <laughs> yeah, I call it the Amazon shoot. Yeah, yeah. Or you can just call it the milk shoot just for they, fun. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Give it a good name. Yeah. And, yeah, what part but of I, are you from? Are you, you from you Madeira no, and su- suburban Cleveland. Oh, you are? Okay. So very similar. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, although I'd say Madeira and Kennard are a little ritzier than the suburb I grew up in. Right. Slightly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my mom's from up in Cleveland. So yeah. You know, affordable, tracked housing post-World War II. They built the neighborhood in a swamp. 
Oh, they had to drain the swamp. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, my mom's backyard still fills up, makes a little lake in the back when uh, when it rains too hard. Oh, but and my dad's yes, because they, they drained a swamp to build the neighborhood. <laughs> it's crazy what they do nowadays for this yeah. stuff, just to make land. At least we're not like uh, Dubai or anything like those, where we're literally creating land in the middle yeah, of the ocean. Islands. Well, yeah, we were yeah. talking about Walnut Hills, and we kind of had this discussion uh, before on the show with uh, like Oakley and the, the uh, Kroger they built there. Mm-hmm. Do you find people are wanting to live in the city now more as opposed or where things are kind of already there as opposed to like sprawling out into Westchester and Butler and Warren County because I guess the advantage is a lot of stuff is already there you don't have to build a new road you don't maybe have to build and run the sewer all the way out there everything's already there is that a big advantage that people want or is it just a matter of people want to live closer to work or it's when he says Westchester because he's actually from Westchester (laughs) in Walnut Hills Mike probably knows more about the the demographic of some of the buyers going there but I mean I will say some of the people that I've met that have come downtown and want us to build a house are in their late fifties from Westchester and their kids all moved to Oakley or something. And they're, they're wanting to be downtown. Uh-huh. Um, kind of not quote unquote downsized, but, um, yeah, it's so kind of funny. It's, it's both, both ends kind of yeah. the spectrum in it. Like you get, you get the younger people, the young millennials that want to stay down there. And then you get the older folks that have been out living in the suburbs, raise their kids and they want to be back in. Yeah. So it's kind of nice because you get quite a few, quite a few different opportunities. Um, so it, it, although once you define who you think you're selling it to, you sell it to the exact <laughs> opposite person. Yeah. It's inevitable. So to try to market to the, to the right group is almost impossible. And technically you're not supposed to do that anyways, because obviously equal housing and whatnot, but when you look at it, you always try to say, okay, hey, what demographics are we going after? What you know, what's the typical buyer profile? Just as you're doing a project. Yeah, our one house we were gonna we were we had listed for six ninety five, and I'm like, man, this is gonna be a young PNG or a GE or, and it was a couple from uh, Mount Washington that came from one hundred fifty thousand dollar house. Oh, wow. I was like, I would have never thought that. <laughs> yeah. no. If we did any sort of postcard marketing, yeah. it's like you'd never think to you know send postcards to Mount Washington to to. To um, you know that demographic uh, and and someone in that income range in that house, it's kind of it was really surprising. But yeah. you know, so in your situation, do you you buy the land and then build the house and then sell it, or does people come to you and say, "Hey, we've got this nice plot of land and we'd like you to build this kind of a house on it over in Walnut Hills or in Oakley yeah. or whatever?" So we do both. I mean, we um, we're building a custom house for someone in Mount Auburn that already had the lot and the plans came to us. We're building the house for them. We have. Um, some spec building, like we have some townhouses in East Walnut Hills um, that Mike has listed for us. Um, we're doing, like I said, we're doing two houses in City Rama, so those are show homes, so those will be built and then uh, sold afterwards. But that's um, a cool neighborhood, by the way, City Rama, where it is this year. It's up in yeah. Spring Springdale, um, cool little spot. So, and a lot of people haven't heard of it because the show hasn't happened yet. Yeah, but you have two cool houses with like kind of a what do you say, like a modern Com- farm? Completely different. You know, yeah. we got a really cool modern farmhouse, eighteen foot ceilings, right when you walk in, and. Um, and then we picked up uh, another one. There was only going to be four houses in the show because uh, a couple other different builders had some uh, conflicts. And so we came in and said, you know, we'll, we'll build a second show home to make it be five houses. And so our second home is real glam and uh, like kind of ultra modern. You walk in in the foyer and there's like a black ceiling. Um, we're doing some really cool trim detail and like gold fixture. So kind of um, taking what you're doing down here and bringing it out there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, kind of two just completely different styles to show people that we're not just, you know, we don't do just one thing. So mm-hmm. what are the big trends that people are looking for? That's it. It always <laughs> seems to be the same. My stuff, wife always right? likes to see like a, a large bathroom. That's always because the ones in our house yeah. are in the 70s. And it's like they're, we remodeled the one. We're going to remodel our master. But yes. there's only so much room where we can go. But exactly. Yeah, you can't. You there's, can yeah, we could probably right? take out the one uh, closet, uh, but then, then maybe build an extra closet yes. somewhere. But that's really about it. Is that or 
huge bathroom. I know the, the barn door doors are, are especially yeah, on smaller spaces where you don't have the ability to have big open doors. Oh, that's uh, what. The, so, yeah, so far, okay, the barnhouse door, farm door is nice because in a space like yours, oh. that's tight. You don't have to have the swing. Okay, don't worry. Outdoor so, living. Yes. Probably a big oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, covered yes. porches, rooftop yeah. decks, big I mean, closets. Just, lots yeah. of lots of we have so much stuff nowadays. Everybody needs plenty <laughs> of space to hide it. Well, people want to downsize. I think those like hoarding <laughs> shows you're talking that scare people. And That's now people, the trend is now to like what, what's the lady that? Uh, oh yeah, the yeah, the lady on Netflix, Netflix that um, downsizes uh, everything. Talking about yeah. My friend spent like three days cleaning out her house after watching that. <laughs> I couldn't watch it after a <laughs> Mary while. Cotto, Mary Cotto, Mary Cotto, what her Marie, name? Marie, is, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yes, it was. People want to downsize until they go see a smaller home and they're like, well, yeah. Yeah, well, my, that's exactly how it is. Yeah. My kids watch tiny homes on HGTV, and they always scream at the TV. It's like you're looking for a tiny home. I'm like, well, there's not much space in there. But you, you're, you know what show you're on? That's, that's, and that's why I think some of the, the empty nesters that are moving down, they still have all their stuff. So they, yeah. they think about having to take that stuff and put it in somewhere new. Whereas some of the millennials and the younger folks, they just say, hey, you know what? I don't have anything right now. Yeah. Or maybe they do have some stuff, but it's not yeah. much. So it's a lot easier for them to to move in and kind of make a smaller space fit. But it's 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 a challenge. Everybody says they don't need much space, and then the moment you sit down and design a house with them. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we need this. Bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger and bigger. So we always talk and talk about rooms rather than space. Because you don't really need – square footage is kind of a misnomer. Like you could have a 3,000-square-foot house that feels yeah. massive, and then yeah. you could have a 5,000-square-foot house that feels small for some reason. So yeah, it's, it's all just chopped depends. up and exactly. mm-hmm. flow and – that's why a lot of those old houses nowadays just kind of sometimes yeah. will sit on the market unless people open them up. Because open living is probably the number one thing everybody asks for. Yeah. They want an open floor plan because they everybody thinks they entertain more than they do. And some people oh, do, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but everybody wants to it, build their houses if they're having people over every single day. On HGTV, um, on the house centers, are always saying, oh, we could entertain here. And Paul Reiser had a, was on Johnny Carson back in the 80s. Oh, and he was talking about, about they're tra- you, right? They're trying Paul to – right. Paul yeah. Reiser mad about you and, and uh, Matt, uh, what, uh, Stranger Things. And oh, yeah. Oh, I about that. Yeah, 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 yeah the doctor that. So he was talking about him and his wife were buying. This is pre mad about you even. Uh, they're uh, selling their house and um, they're looking to buy a, a new house or looking visiting houses and say, oh, we could have dancing over here in the party. And he goes, oh, we're planning a party we're never going to have. <laughs> that party's never going to happen. <laughs> uh-huh. It's good so, to think about it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes yeah. It fun that well, way. we're trying to downsize uh, consciously, oh, get yeah. rid of stuff, and then to the point where I'm like, whenever we're out, and I'm like. We really need this other thing now. <laughs> so I picture like picture getting rid of it in ten years, and it's like the clock is winding down. And where do you put it? And where do you keep yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. With everything now. Who can we? Who can we give this to? And <laughs> that's the cool thing about some of the built-ins and all that kind of stuff now that people are building in. I mean, crazy, crazy ways to hide your stuff. The stuff that you I mean these oh yeah hidden yeah. pantries are a big thing nowadays too, where you wouldn't even know it's a cabinet door. Yeah, you just, I you love kind of open up and you go into a room. I so saw on cool one stuff. show where this guy he lived in a five hundred square foot apartment in New York, but everything like went into the wall and folded down. So you could fold down and have like twelve people at this table, <laughs> but it like kind of folds back up and goes into the wall and it's just. Crazy. I wish Murphy beds came back. I kind of yeah love yeah Murphy exactly the coolest yeah yeah, yeah. Just stuff like that, but it's. It's the beauty of building custom, and that's what obviously Ben does yeah. a lot of, and we that's kind of like probably 60% of our business is just building. So it's like with, with guys like Ben, and you get to do whatever the heck you want. And everybody always starts off with the most creative, cool ideas, and unfortunately <laughs> the budget comes back. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like from slides to gyms, being in your house to, I mean, just cool stuff, and then all of a sudden you realize how much it costs and the infrastructure of it just becomes. Well, even just doing the, the, our kids' bathroom, we were like, well, do we really want to do this? But we still wanted to look cool. And that's the other thing we got to figure is like, because we're going to leave in 10 years. That's We're going to Florida. That's it. You're leaving, yeah. Yeah, we're going. Yeah. And we're so we have, you already so, have the place picked out? So you have to, ready? We, uh, my wife wants to – she does have the house picked out. I don't know if it will be for sale then, but it's right <laughs> on the beach in Flagler. And, uh, yeah. 
And uh, so we're thinking, well, in 10 years, will this, because that's the thing you got to guess. It's like the barn door thing already seems like it's going away. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I may be wrong, but. The gray is going away. Yeah. See, yeah. we don't, but we're trying the, to. The other colors coming back. You the know, gray is going back in. We, yeah. We, well, we went with chrome because we were told chrome is coming back. Chrome is, yeah. yeah. So we did that. But uh, now she wants the, her, our master method to be gray. So I better report to her that that might not be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Beige. It's all cyclical. Uh, yeah. Wait 15 years. Like, yeah. Exactly that's what I was telling her, too. Right I guess as long as it looks new, because yeah. I, I like the, like our uh, bathroom at our old house, it was built in 54 and it was uh, proper postmodern. The yeah. problem is. It just ages. I mean, no matter how what you do to it, I mean, if you could build it new and look like that, it would look fabulous. Sure. But it's well at that point, 30, 40 years old. Yeah, you you got to change it. So well, the nice thing is quality always stays in style. So if you do something the right way and it lasts, That's, then you don't technically have to change it. People's yeah. taste will come and go. Like our taste and all of our tastes will yeah. be different in five years because we'll be influenced by something else. But as long as you do something the quality way and you don't do it to where ten years it's going to fall apart, so you have to redo it. You don't want to be stuck there. So it's just you know. Everybody's taste. You try to design something. People always say, "But you know, this builder's being vanilla. They're just building yeah, cookie yeah. cutter." Well, they do it because it fits the mass market. Like, so yeah. you know, if you get too crazy, you may ten percent of people may love it. I'll use the example of the house on Erie that Bronzy did, the the modern house. Some people absolutely love that house. They think it's the coolest. And do you know which one I'm talking about? The the one that has like the bronze. Um, uh, metal in the front. It was the one that went got through went through the news three or four years ago because people didn't like the modern house being built right. Oh, now. oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, like it was, was it, if it were built anywhere else, people would probably certain people would absolutely love it. But because of where it is, people mm-hmm. didn't necessarily like what they did. Um, but if you go in the house, I think there's no doubt that it was it was a cool house. Does it fit everybody's lifestyle? No, but it was it was so modern. It was it was cool, but. You pull your market down to probably what ten yeah. percent of the existing market. So if you do that, it's 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 taking a risk. Yeah, you got to give that guy props, Jim yeah. Ronzi, for having the balls to pull it yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. Do that, and he even got thrown, um, you know, a little slack for for doing it. Not saying it was right or wrong, but just well, yeah. unfortunately, it's, it, that's what comes with the territory. If yeah. You want to be a trendsetter, you got to, uh, or if you want to even be a pioneer, you got to take some risks. Sure and then maybe that'll be. I was going to add that brings up another question. It, when you're building, like especially in Madeira or Kenwood, how, how restricted are you by zoning? I mean, there's certain zoning laws, obviously, if things have to be to code. Mm-hmm. But like, you run into problems where, like, well, it can't be two stories in this neighborhood, or it can't be over this square footage, or it can't. Are there anything restrictions like that, or does it depend on the community? I know some places are really strict. You Down, always have setbacks, right? Like, yeah, right. downtown, um, a lot of times they want you to be kind of similar to other buildings. Okay. If the building's next to you is two-story, you can't go four. All right. Um, so they, so they, they always want similar. Um, I, I'm not too familiar with the zoning codes in Madeira or anywhere there because we haven't built there, but I'm sure is it probably the same. As it is. They, yeah, want? they just changed the setbacks. Um, so it was, I think, seven and a half, and they choose them to eight, but there was overhangs in there, so it's kind of complex there. But then there's a yeah. percentage. Madeira has, a, has a, I think they still do. Um but they had a percentage of how much of the footprint you could take up. Uh-huh. I think it used to be 28%. Don't quote me on that because it could be off. Yeah, yeah. So you could only build on 28% of the, the lot. Oh, so every, oh. But everywhere is different. You go from yeah. Madeira yeah. to Madeira or from Madeira to Montgomery to downtown, and it's all different. And then you get into the little nuances of the zoning code. Oh, hillside and then street by street. I mean, it yeah. Can, it's, yeah. It's, it's a full-time job to keep up with that stuff. That's why it takes – in the city of Cincinnati, it takes, what, four months, six months? Some, and I'm sorry, four, four weeks to six weeks sometimes to get a permit. Oh, because no, you can say months. Months? <laughs> <laughs> um, I know when I visited Denver, uh, someone who had lived there pointed out to me that, you know, in the actual city, they take up almost the entire footprint. And I'm like, well, you don't have any yard. And he goes, yeah, but there's parks everywhere. Yeah. That was the thing. So they they can go right up to the street, basically. It's 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 interesting how I went to when I was in college, I studied urban planning, and they always talked about density, like how you know how 
density is actually a good thing when you come into it because you impact less around you. So if you go super dense in a, like an urban area, even a suburban area, you can fit more people in there and then you can have better parks, better space, uh, better infrastructure when it comes down to it. But it's, we fight it nonstop. So most zoning code is built against density because they want to maintain what's already there. So it's kind of like it's, it's a little bit of an issue. I'm not saying I'm for one way or another. Obviously, for as a developer, you want to be able to see how many units you get because that figures out how much you can pay. Like, yeah. for instance, uh, William Howard Taft, property that Ben has over there, you have five units on there. Yep. You know, obviously, you went with probably maximize because of the what you had to pay for the property, you maximize the footprint to try to fit as many on there. It's urban, so that's it was the right thing to do. But a lot of people, if you go do the same thing in Madeira or Montgomery, you'd get shot down because people want it to be conforming. So mm-hmm. sometimes the cookie cutter nature that we all try to shoot down is what inevitably comes back at us based on the zoning code that comes through there. So it's just, you know, again, not saying there's one way that's to do this right, but density is the, the ultimate driver of everything and why any community looks the way it does. And probably why city Cincinnati is so diverse um, yeah. from an architectural standpoint. Yeah, street to street, you see completely different architecture yeah. and style. Yeah. And that's why it's cool. Like the yeah. one you've done Dorsey versus the one you're doing on William Howard Taft is different yeah. stuff. And there's some cool stuff out there. People build some. People will spend their money in crazy ways and do some cool stuff. Excuse my language. When you were talking about the house on Erie, do people kind of, when they're going to build on it a lot, and they look around and they go, well, the neighborhood kind of looks like this. So they, do they constantly want to have it fit in, or do they want to bring in other elements, or what usually? Some do. I'd say it probably depends on the person. Yeah. yeah. And if it's a spec, if yeah. it's a builder that's going to build it, you know, maybe yeah. they don't want to make everybody mad, so they're going to try to, you know, <laughs> build true. it. Or Just a bronzy, in. you know, he's like, screw it, I'm going to throw up a platinum lead house. It's <laughs> where you, you kind of love it. You're like, man, this guy's really getting out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, but it's true. I think the person comes into the, regardless of which street it's on, they come in with probably something in their mind, right? Yeah. Like, if they so, want a modern house, they want Hyde Park. I mean, then, yeah, they're going to find a lot and tear it. Tear house down or do something, and yeah. they're going to want to build a modern house. So. Yeah, it's a, and that's the cool thing about the one he did on here. He actually kept the foundation of the house that was there. Oh. So that if you go in the basement, it's the old foundation. So he actually, it's technically a renovation versus a new construction house. Hmm. So that's that was. But I think most people, if they want to build modern, they don't care. They don't care what anybody yeah. else thinks. They're going to go do what they want. <laughs> yeah. And, and and yeah, some modern houses don't turn out that great. <laughs> Modern's really expensive. I don't think people understand that. It's it's super because it's all glass, glass windows. Yeah. And, uh, well, expensive. I was going to say, you mentioned uh, lead. Is that a, a big thing now with, with people? Is that gonna... That's huge. I mean, uh, code is mostly going towards lead now. Oh. Um, but, I mean, with the tax the tax incentives for it, I mean, if you build a lead gold house, uh, it's a 15-year, was it 562000 For a lead gold, 562000 yeah. So, I did an article on this years ago when the zoo was going all green and I broke it on that. But for the layperson, walk us through lead gold, silver, all that, how that breaks down. So there's different point systems. So when you go to build a house, you take your plans to, I think there's probably maybe two or three um, lead consultants here in Cincinnati. Um, so we use one, we give them the plans, and you basically go through about an hour meeting with them uh, with a checklist of, hey, are, you, are your toilets going to be uh, one gallon uh, per flush? or the, you know, And you go, yes or no. And there's just a whole spec sheet. Um, and it also depends where the house is at, how close it is to bus lines and different things. And then it, it spits out a number of points. And so I don't know the point structure off the top of my head, but like I think lead gold is 60, 60 or more points, um, and silver is like forty to fifty. So when you when you get to those points, anyways, you get, you can build the house, and they come out. I mean, they do blower door tests. They check everything. They check once the installation's in. They check all your framing. It's kind of an, an added. Uh, if someone's custom building a house, it's kind of an added inspection for them over the over the city. Um, it's kind of like building by committee almost because you have. I don't know if you guys know what lead is. Lead is lead and 
leadership and energy efficient design. Yeah. So it's like a committee and organization that oversees kind of what you do. So make sure that they're building to certain standards, which is which is cool. So in the end, it's 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 great for the environment. You're using renewables, yep. uh, materials, You're energy efficient, less waste. Yeah, exactly. So it's all meant. And then the city of Cincinnati, kind of, I think Cleveland had its own abatement up there. Um, it was a little bit different than what we have here, but basically is the same. You just are able to do design a house. You get the tax abatement. Yes, it's a bonus, but you're less taxing on the, the network. So, I mean, whether it's Duke Energy or if it's yep. just the environment itself, which is kind of nice. Oh, you're simple. building such a tight house. I mean, so they do a blower door test at the end of, to check the air leakage from inside to out to see you know, how much air is going out between cracks. And oh, wow. The last air door test we had, they, there was zero air leakage to the outside. So, I mean, it's just such a tight home. And so, your, your utility bills, um, since the house has been, I think I've been getting the utility bills, and these are over 2,000 square feet. And uh, for Ace, with, with the cooling on right now, I think it's like a hundred dollars a month for a uh, gas and electric from Duke. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. My, my brother-in-law is a lead certified architect. Oh yeah. And that's how he got that. You, know, you might, Dean Violetta, maybe you, he was formerly with a partner and then he decided to, he owning his own business was too stressful. So <laughs> he works for the zoo oh, and cool, helps yeah. them design uh, lead cool. stuff. But he had to go through all this certification and this is like, gosh, 10 years ago and had to take courses and all this other stuff. And for a long time, he was only one of a handful of guys in the city yeah. that were uh, able to do that. Yeah, there was, hmm. it was back in, I think, Barb Yankee and, and some of those people back in the day, they were the only ones that did it. I remember getting a packet of like 80 pages to have to read about what lead was and thinking, what the heck is this all about? And it was, it had already existed. I was just young getting into the business yeah. and just thinking, oh my God, this is, is anybody really going to do this? What's this going to cost? And then, they are. <laughs> Everybody did it. Yeah, it was just it was incredible. Actually. I know the one controversy for a long time was um, capturing rainwater. People wanted that's that's a big lead thing, but the city was like, no, you can't capture. In fact, I think <laughs> I think the zoo had to get special permission yeah. to capture rainwater. Is that still a thing, or is that? Or it, is that I'm not sure. I know you can get a, I think a point or two for capturing uh, rainwater, but I'm not sure if you have to get permission or. Uh, we, we haven't done it with anything, so. It's we, probably like anything. You're just going to get a, a permit, right? Maybe yeah. Like a water reclamation, I'm guessing. I yeah, we know. tile all the downspouts in right into the sewer, so. Okay. That's part of to get lead platinum nowadays. I mean, it's probably jumped from, you know, like it probably adds fifty or $100,000 to your build costs because you have to do solar, yeah. water reclamation, geothermal potentially. So you add a lot of cost to it. And lead platinum is what gets you the unlimited tax abatement above your assessed um, or above your uh, land basis or purchase basis of the property. So then it's, but you may, the return on investment there may be within three yeah. or four years um, because of how much, I mean, obviously most people are mortgaging it or even if they're paying cash. Yeah, I mean, a platinum house price has to be a million minimum. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the tax savings on that, yeah, for the next three years is probably pretty pretty, pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to keep up with all the advancements, like the different solar panels and all these other technologies. and or why just pay guys like Ben Fry to figure <laughs> it out for you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but no, we went with, with the lead consultants. I mean, lead's always changing. They're always, they actually just change their whole system process of um, for points. Um, and so that's why these consultants are great. I mean, you can, I think you can do it on your own. I don't think you need the consultants, but I mean, it's, um, there's so much paperwork and they have to have the model numbers of every faucet you use and toilet you use and know what carpet you're putting in and what flooring and making sure that the flooring is eco-friendly and all the faucets have water sense labels. So, I mean, there's so many things and it's just for them to do it. It's like, yeah. Just, I mean, just the consultants being involved on there are what it's, it's probably for the basic lead of what, five or $6,000 typically per house. Yeah. It's um, just different just, on the. There, I think there's lead, just lead, and then silver, gold, platinum. Yeah, it's um, cost going all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just to pay, because I mean, it is a paperwork. Thing. Yeah, so just their fee for them is around yeah five thousand. Yeah, to, for, for them to do all that, yeah. and that includes the fee for um, the lead. 
that's not the cost of that goes into most of the yeah. like Ben's building. If he, he didn't have to do a lead house, he's probably building the lead standards anyways. With I was just gonna say yeah. is that like if you're building a garden variety, you know, fifteen hundred, you know, uh, square foot ranch, you're, you're still probably doing things that are good for the environment anyway, right? Yeah, we already do them because we already have most of our subs that you know. But it's some different things that are higher cost items with HVAC of all the cold air returns have to be hard piped instead of them just running them inside the walls like the two by four. They, they have to hard pipe the cold air returns. Now, everything has to be sealed, and we do uh, zoned um, zoned rooms with, with lead, so the top floor can be a uh, uh, different temperature than the second oh, yeah. floor. So all those are put some pretty big costs that get added on, but, I mean, it, it ends up for a really nice home. But for some of the basic stuff of efficient framing um, and maximum insulation in the wall cavities, we yeah, we still do that even if we're not building a lead home because our guys are used to it. So We're still trying to find that first, the guy that wants to put in the Tesla the tiles up for the roof. Have you seen those? They're, no. They're like basically like a, almost like solar panels for your roof. Like instead of having yeah. shingles, you they have look like panels. shingles. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. They, yeah. they function cool. actually as shingles? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't, wow. I don't, I'm sure they're doing them in California. And yeah. Areas. I haven't seen any back here. And, uh, people have asked about them a number of times. But yeah. I think it's, it's pretty I'd expensive. I'd get tested out. Yeah. yeah exactly. Verified. They yeah, yeah. have the whole house batteries and stuff. So pretty soon we'll be hopefully, you'll be selling energy back to the grid. Be Did cool. people ever come to you and say, we want a windmill or anything like that, or, <laughs> or that their heart's on <laughs> some particular technology? Yeah. Um, getting back to the neighborhood thing, and you, now you said you haven't built a neighborhood, but maybe you just have some insight into this. I've always been curious about this. Like, out where I live, and I think this is still done, basically, a lot of times a company will buy a farm mm-hmm. and start subdividing it. How does that process work? I mean, like... Yeah, you know, my my neighborhood, of course, isn't isn't about perfect square and grid. The road meanders through, and there's a cul-de-sac that runs off here, and one that runs off here. And like, who decides that? Or is that an urban planning thing? Or is so it, it's a develop, developer yeah. thing. Civil yeah. engineers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my, my dad's actually how I got into this business. My dad's done land development for 40 years or so. So he was the guy that they'd go out, him and his partners would buy a piece of property. Okay. It'd be 100 acres, and then they'd yeah. go to see a civil engineer, and they'd say, okay, hey, the zoning is you could do two units per acre. So we lay out a street to maximize it, make sure you're you know, getting as much as many homes as you can to make sure the numbers work, but also making sure each lot has a nice setting and that sort of thing. So it depends on if it's production versus custom because then yeah. you'll do fewer lots if it's custom because you need them to be nicer and bigger. Um, and then you just go through. And the you know, hardest part of most of that stuff besides, I mean, you have to have the technical knowledge, but naming the streets, I remember, like, that was all. I was going to st- – that's my next question. Ones. Who yeah, gets to yeah. name the streets? Yeah, hopefully whoever the developer is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We it, 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 so it's, it can be hard because you have to go through the database of – Make sure you're not uh, there. Yeah, you can't. Okay. And it's, that's the challenge. We were out in uh, California the other day, and uh, my daughter's name's Poppy, and played a course called Poppy Hills. So when I got home, my wife's like, hey, if you ever do a development, you're naming it Poppy Hills. So hopefully in 20 years, there's a development called Poppy Hills out there. Uh, but yeah. Because a lot of times they'll drive around a neighborhood and it'll be like a, it'll be name, proper names. So Michelle Street, Mike, so you, this guy named after his kids, obviously. 100%. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you can do that as long yeah. as it matches. Okay. Yeah. And as far as the streets like meandering through, is that, is it, is there any randomness to it or is it, it's the, my street curves, you know, a kind of an S it's for a reason? On that front. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I'll give you an example of the Walworth Crossing, or Walworth Crossing, which is the um, new development right next to the precinct. It's it's um, forty home sites, thirty nine home sites that are coming in right off Columbia Parkway. That it's pretty much a straight shot, but they're going to have the street meander and go up and downhill. So the engineers, that's where it gets pretty technical as far as how that goes. Um, so it's you have to actually have the engineers sit down and understand it. And there's great grading that they have to worry about. I was going to say because the top the topography has something to do with it. Yes, because there's yes. a creek that runs behind our house, and then it 
crosses the. I was telling the story to somebody the other day. Oh, my my uh, my hairdresser because they, she finds uh, arrowheads out in her, on her farm. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I yeah. said I want to go down to look at my creek for that too. But the pro- the creek ends into a tunnel because they built the street over it, and then the creek continues on the other side of the neighborhood. But yes. I guess that's probably why it goes down that. Well, right. the EPA and there's certain certain. Um, Groups and organizations that you have to be, you know, absolutely mindful. Oh of. well, now, so yeah, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, so back in the even back in the day, it was probably less restrictive as it is now. But you have to. There's different types well, yeah. of creeks and different permits you have to get. I, I can't pretend to know as much as a lot of these. No, no, that's a, a lot more than I knew yes. before. Well, speaking of the EPA, like uh, back in the day, if you go down 275 where Target is in Milford, yep, uh-huh. uh, there's that big interchange. And it's just like it goes to nowhere on either side. That was supposed to be the bypass for Milford. And then when they named Miami, the river, uh, a national uh, scenic wildlife creek, whatever, they said this is going to cost way too much in EPA fees and service. So they never built the – That's why they go up the hill now just to get out of there. I reckon it was supposed to go kind of the path that goes now, but it goes straight more behind Walmart and then rejoin – Columbia Park or Worcester Pike yep. on the other side of Milford. Yeah. But yeah, they couldn't do it because it was a scenic river. And they said, nah, yeah. yeah. The nah. government, I mean, the regulations, and some of them are there for a very good reason. I was going to say, yeah, there's, yes, yeah. you know, if you can yeah. lead design and all that, there's also an environmental yeah. concern. Do you run into that still now when you're doing, even if it's like in, in the city, do you have to worry about, are the things they probably didn't have to worry about back in the day when they built the original house on the lot? No, not too much. We are, we are uh, about to build a house for the county. Uh, it was interesting because uh, they, they bought the lot. We're going to build the house for them, but they have to go get soil samples and um, EPA things. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, wouldn't normally do this, but I guess it's for the county. They uh, they, they have some different restrictions than us. So You get some cool history lessons when you're looking at a piece of property. It may be like a raw piece of land, and then all of a sudden you look back and you can tra- trace down records to find yeah. out what used to be Who there. Owned it, neighbor. Yeah. We, we did one in downtown Cincinnati. It was one of the first. It was with a, a company called Quest, and it was the first single-family house to be built in the CBD, the Central Business District. Ooh. And the guy that, that sold us the property told us it used to be a brothel. And they <laughs> said that we got it, it was torn down when we bought it and yeah. stuff. And it was a mess of a property because they tore the property down. And then a lot of the rubble was still in the ground, which is a huge problem. So yeah. tracing down some of those things, that's where you have to be really savvy. Like an individual going to buy a piece of property without knowing the questions to ask can by picking a poke and realize, well, crap, yeah, I just dump side yeah or exactly. And then the next thing you know, they have to do extra peering or compaction or they don't have utilities. Like that's truthfully, that's why we all exist and have jobs today because they are, there are so many things that every time you go through a checklist of all the questions you have to ask, and then there's something that you didn't ask because you didn't think that it was ever, ever even be a problem. So it's some crazy stuff. Like you got to be careful so if you're driving along and say, oh, there's a piece of property for sale, and you think, oh, that'd be a nice place for a house. You just yeah. shouldn't be buying it willy-nilly. You should, you have to, a lot of things you have to have done. Oh, big time. Yeah. You have to be careful. Like, like you know. Just where the I sewer's at. That, I mean, that's by the biggest If the question. sewer's on the, the side of the street the house is at, I mean, you're talking 6000 If it's on the other side, you're talking 25000 Really? I mean, it's just, there's huge cost differences. And looking at street. a lot, you would just never see, you know. Wow. Like, and where do they run? So sometimes there's easements that run through the property. So you couldn't you could buy a property and never be yeah, able to build a yeah. house on it because there's an easement that runs through from Duke Energy from 40 years ago or whoever it is, uh, Synergy, and, and you just can't do it because it goes through there and it takes up the building pad. So there's all kinds of properties that people have listed out there that truly aren't buildable because of the – unless you had everything come together, which is a challenge. Some people just aren't willing to wait you know, years to try to get these things to come together, so – so what is the trend towards more home ownership or, you know, with the aging populations and stuff? What, what direction are things moving? Because, I mean, I, we do, we're certainly not seeing the, the boom we saw post-World War II. Or are, or are we? Are we p- people building new houses to replace those old ones? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of people out there that want to build. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And they all want to build in the same areas, right? They yeah. want to build 
And the hard part now is just find lots. I got so many people calling to build houses. We just don't, you know, we don't have any lots for them. Yeah. Hmm. That's where we got started back, you know, 10 years ago is when my dad had done development for a long time and market crashed. So we weren't going to go out there and I shouldn't say we, he wasn't going to go out there and buy 200, 300 acres and develop it to have people hopefully come in a few years. So we just said, Hey, let's focus on the one-offs. Let's go to Montgomery and Madeira and uh, just find opportunities. So that's what we do with guys like Ben. And we go out and, you know, he says, Hey, I have a client that wants to be in Walnut Hills or wants to be in High Park. Um, can you go find us a lot or a house to renovate? Um, this is their budget. Here's what they have. And it's, it's, it's so, it's a full-time job for us. We have clients that have come to us after two or three years of search and they say, Hey, we can't find anything. You know, because a lot of people think they can they can find it on their own and occasionally yeah. they can but it takes a team of us out there every single day to talk to people to try to find them it's it's there's so little land nowadays that's why you're seeing people take land that's more difficult to build on and building on it because that's the only opportunity they have like and hillsides and things like that exactly yeah and yeah. some are you know, some are better than others yeah yeah obviously. <laughs> some you know there are very difficult night it's crazy that they're doing but then others it's just a hey, it just takes infrastructure. There's a cool one Brad Ollinger's doing over on Linwood. That's you know cool eight hundred nine hundred thousand right outside of Mount Lookout Square. It'll be a cool little property right there, and it's really close. It was a different. Oh yeah, site. it's across from uh, the tavern. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, there were a couple. Of, it's really weird. You drive by there, and you think, wait a minute, what used to be here? Yeah. <laughs> it's probably just an older house, probably, but yeah, some older rental houses that yeah. were just there. That's nice, but eight, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. It's a six, seven, eight, something like that. It's, but it'll be. I mean, most people don't want a lot of yards to maintain. It's why Taft is so. Oh, this, that was my next question. Is that yeah. do people? Well, first of all, when people are looking for land, do they come to you with a wish list like they do for the actual house? They Always. want a wooded lot. I want a creek running through it. Okay. Yes. The more they've actually thought through that, the better, right? I mean, the more they, they know. Some Sometimes, people think they want until so they give you their wish list and they're like, I want to spend X and it's like your wish list is X plus, you know, half a million dollars. <laughs> like, That's where you got to be a little bit honest with yeah. them and stuff. <laughs> Cost of building is just so expensive. They think guys like Ben are making more money. In fact, they're making less, but yeah. it's more, it's just everything's getting more expensive. I mean, it's not just the tariffs, it's because inflation and oh, prices labor. were held down so much and then they had the labor. Labor and material them. costs right now, yeah, are just, are, are really high. Hmm. And then some people come, big misconception. Some people think, oh, I want to build a, just a small ranch. That'd be real cheap. Yeah, to build. yeah. It's like, well, actually, a two story is cheaper to build. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. You have you have less foundation and you're stacking. You know, lumber is oh, concrete. See. So you're I stacking. Instead of yeah. spreading the 1,500 feet out, you yeah. can, the footprint might be like 750. And then, yeah. okay. Exactly. exactly. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I mean, it, cost has just gone up. Probably the past, what, two or three years, it's gone up with me. Oh, I mean, just the trades too. I mean, the, the plumbers and the electricians, just you get, you see those prices and it's like, holy cow, you know, mm-hmm. cause there's not the, many of those guys around anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big dying thing is the trades. Mm-hmm. And that's what's making construction costs go up. Good thing to get in for the young people. Oh, that, crazy. People I mean, need to push really that is. more. I mean, yeah. there, there are some electricians and some trim carpenters that make crazy amounts of money and they get to work with their hands and do the stuff they've always wanted to do. So the stigma that it's a bad thing is just, it's ridiculous. It's, it, it needs to be pushed more and more. The, not, I mean, not everybody's built to go to college. Yeah. It's great that, that everybody wants to or people want to, but the trades are fantastic and you can own your own business and be 22 years old. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous of people that can do that because yeah. you yeah. can do something that's useful too. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can I mean, fix you, know, your own house. you know, I'm you know? sitting around a table in the back room of a t shirt shop. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I'm not looking my nose, nose down at electricians at all. Quite the opposite. I mean, they could do something I could so never do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my plumber's trying to hire guys and he's like, I just can't get anybody to show up. He's like, I'll, I'll, pay them $35 an hour and I'll, I'll teach them but it's yeah. just you know he gets these young guys that show up and want to be on their phones and don't want to yeah. show up to work and crazy um, so I mean they need, they need more of that and yeah like he said you know you could you could go to trade school come out and be a plumber and probably start out making 60000 your first year easily yeah 
The fun thing with plumbing that scares me, though, is I can never get what I'm doing at home. I can never get it to not leak. Yeah. <laughs> Electricity, <laughs> I can kind of do. do yeah. But then again, with that, uh, people don't really know this, but a lot of stuff you're not supposed to do yourself. Yes. You do need to, like, have an, an electrician come and do it. I know so, enough to know that I'm not handy at all. Like, yeah. I, like I can do things. Plumbing's my worst. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. So, well, plumbing's the worst, too, because you got to get so underneath hard. the sink and lay Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's always, you make a mistake and the water's coming yeah. back out. Right, maybe, right. Maybe worse, something remember, else is coming out. Turn off the water and let and it you turn drain. it on real uh, slow. Is there anybody over there? You hear a gush of water coming out? Sometimes you see electricians do the same thing, though. They're testing their own. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, wait a second. Get those heavy gloves on. I can get a ceiling fan sorted. Um, yeah, I can change a light switch, and then I'm done. <laughs> so I tried to do a ceiling fan one time. I, I lived at the banks a long time ago, and I tried to do my, replace the light fixture, and I stood up on a chair and shocked myself so much I fell on the couch. And I'm like, oh, yeah. all right, that, that's the end of any electrical work I ever do. Yeah, just, the not, yeah, being in this business, you think I'd know more, and I just know enough that I'm an idiot when it comes to the technical stuff. You know? that, that's but, funny. Um, I had another question, and we went off on this tangent about, about the trades. Um uh, oh, the one thing I wanted to ask about was a random thing. Because again, back to the house hunters thing, people always want the granite countertops. The granite counter is still a thing. Are we going to quartz? Or is I think it quartz is in now. Quartz, quartz, yeah, yeah. okay. Seemingly, it's more consistent. It's just you know, it's same but I think quartz prices have shot up because of the tariffs. Yeah, uh, I, I had my uh, supplier tell me he used to be able to buy a container of quartz for I think uh, forty thousand dollars for the container, and now if he tries to buy that same container, it's six hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Oh my gosh, is that much more? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, many, how much is in a container? I mean, it's, it's a massive amount, obviously. But yeah, and know, when he told me that, I, f- I figured up how much he was uh, buying it for, and I was like, "You're buying it for that, and sell it to me for that." Like a big shipping container. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Massive. And now they're tracking too. If they, you know, make it in China and ship it somewhere else, and then ship it here, I mean, they'll bust them. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Prices fluctuate so much too, because wasn't lumber up last year? It lumber was up way like up, twenty percent. Yeah, yeah when we started to design the bathroom, they were like, "Well, you're going to pay a lot for you know all this." Thankfully, it's a small bathroom, so that, that's exactly. one. Yeah. We're forced not to make it huge. But people, I mean, the house hunter shows are great because they show opportunities and what you can do. But then the same time, they're misleading to think how easier, how yeah. uh, simple, or just even the cost well, is less than what it is. Yeah, you, I, you guys got to pay attention because there's two kinds of shows on HGTV. Basically, people buying a property somewhere. And people renovating a property yes. somewhere. Yep. And on the renovation side, they always kind of like, oh, like the, the property brothers. Yeah. Those guys are great. But I mean, you're talking massive amounts. So we did this for $600,000. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's three times the cost of my house. If I'm lucky, it's three times the cost of my house. Sometimes the costs are crazy and other times it's like, you did, you, know, you did it for that? Really? Yeah. But then there's always, they always, it probably scares some homeowners into re- out of renovating because they, oh, we opened this up. We didn't, we didn't know, you know, that this was a load bearing wall. And it's like, right, yeah. If you're going to renovate someone's house, you can tell if it's a load bearing wall. You don't have to, you know, wait till halfway through and be like, it's going to be an extra we ran ten thousand dollars. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. They always have to add in the drama. I was going to say they yeah. probably good because it is still a TV show. Yeah, um, we've inter- I've interviewed with HGTV I think three different times about getting a show here in Cincinnati. Oh yeah, but every different time they end up going with a different city. So. Uh, uh, I've kind of heard some of it. What, how they uh, you're going to be on an existing show, or there was going to be one created for? We were going to make flipping Cincinnati. Oh, neat. Okay, yeah. so is that like a, a franchise of the a show they already have? Um, it, it wouldn't be a franchise. They, they don't. I mean, franchise fr- franchises. There's, in the, yeah, there's flipping the, the TV term franchise, not, not the yeah. McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, spinoff is a better. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And they they still there no movement on that. No, I still get kind of contacted from producers off off and on from um, seeing us out there since I'm pretty young. 
But I'm like, hey, you know, HGTV, I just don't think they're interested in Cincinnati right now. you got to be more glamorous, man. That's what it is. You're just not dressing flashy <laughs> well, enough. And then, hey, come on. I mean, people always see, you know, people, so like, well, I guess that, that would fall into the renovation side of those shows. Is the, the flipping thing is like, that's got to be kind of dicey. Because again, we were talking before about knowing what people want and knowing sure. if it's going to sell in that area. Yeah. I mean, what all things do you have to consider? Like when you're, when you're thinking, hmm, I could, we could probably renovate this and, and flip it. But you're kind of rolling the dice a little, aren't you? Yeah, so I've been. Uh, I started out flipping, and I still do some flipping on the side, and then I have uh, a good amount of rentals also. So I have a flip going on right now in uh, Price Hill, and one in College Hill, and then one coming up in uh, Deer Park. So they just, you know, a house comes comes uh, in as an opportunity, and you just kind of see what we can buy it for, see what the other houses are selling for, and you, you go in and kind of do the same thing as building. I'm just trying to to go in and kind of make stuff. it, make it, yeah, fix stuff and make it so. Uh, the mass of, mass of people out there would be attracted to it. And nowadays with those shows that are out there, you know, people, everybody thinks they could probably do it to some degree. Yeah. So everybody is, yeah. And some are better yeah. than others. Don't get me wrong. Like a lot of people can't, and you have to get started somewhere. So yeah. you're going to make everybody, I think every builder is going to mm-hmm. make a mistake and every individual would make a bunch more mistakes, but it's the same thing. But you can get those. So you start somewhere and you just kind of start looking at what opportunities are out there. Right. And yeah. then these people, but, but the problem is you're competing against a lot more people now than you ever used to be. Cause it used to be the people that oh, no, everybody's professionals. Treated, yeah. yeah. But so he's competing against, Susie and John that live down the street that thought, hey, you know, it'd be fun to do this project yeah. down there. Not that it's a bad thing, but that's what right. driving cost up to some degree as far as just buying that that specific house. So, like, when, when people complain about – I shouldn't say complain. When people have issues with affordability, the, the reason being is, like, when, when you're buying the property, it's all about the basis, right? Can you buy it, right? If you're buying right. it high – then you have to deliver high because the cost of materials are what they are. And then you have to have a margin. And some people like to make 15 or 20% on there. So you try to do it. And sometimes you make negative 5%. <laughs> but like you look at those, that's why the affordability gets up. I think yeah. why we're building houses more expensive than if we could deliver houses in for 200 grand around here, I think we'd be doing it all day long. Cause there's a heck of a lot more people that can afford 200. I got so many people right yeah. now want me to build a house for 250. But I'm like, you just can't, you there's know, no like with, with, no, yeah. with the labor. Hmm. I, I mean, I haven't had somebody send me a cheap lot, but I'm like, I mean, with, with the, the, the cost of labor and uh, materials, I'm like, you just can't, you know, I can't, you can, but you just can't build a nice, really nice custom house. Yeah. yeah. I think a production builder can go out there and probably sell a house for 250. But, I mean, they're out there sourcing, you know, uh, really good pricing on all their materials. Every nail they buy is cheaper yeah. than what he buys. So, like, like yeah. and that, uh, that's why the production builders – and they, their designs have come a long way compared to what they used to be. So, there's a good – good, the production builders fill a great void. Uh, and I shouldn't say void in the market. Fill a great need in the market. But then custom – and you almost have to be custom when you're down – in the city of Cincinnati or any of these infill areas, infills, just high park, not look out, you know, Montgomery, Madera, one of the hills. Um, cause you're building way where our homes, where homes are. Yeah. 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 Uh, but you almost have to build custom cause every lot's different. Whereas a production builder can build every lot looks the same. So you can take the same floor plans and just keep going. Whereas the build up start the startup to yeah. any lot that we find is it takes three months to design something. And then you're having to do it from scratch often. Well, that sounds like good news for existing homeowners that there's oh, still yeah. some value in having an existing value. home. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine it's also good buying a, a, a flipped home from someone like you versus John and Susie who may have just gone to a seminar and maybe know – but you when you go, you know what to fix. And you're not going to leave – you know, you're not yeah. going to say, well, we can skip fixing this. And if you do, you can t- – yeah, you're probably able to get tell the seller, well, you're going to need to do this. Mm-hmm. We did all this. Yeah, I mean, multiple things have come up. We're, we're actually yeah, – the house in Price Hill we're doing – 
the basement was all finished and they had like built up off the floor and added carpet and we went to demo it out and there was just giant foundation cracks. Ooh. Um, so for anybody else, I mean, that'd be a huge expense, but we have really good subcontractors and so we were able to go put structural steel beams in the basement for uh, a really affordable cost versus anybody else. I mean, they would have, you know, probably lost their shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus you're warrantied. I mean, you're part of the HBA, the yeah. Builder Association. Oh, there so you go. Limited warranties that come yeah. with a lot of the stuff that he's doing. I mean, it may not be everything, but any of the custom homes or a lot of the yeah. high-end remodels come with that. So if a problem happens in two years, they can still call Ben versus you call somebody else. You may not get a horrible. And, and not to say you shouldn't buy a house from somebody that does it. It just oh yeah yeah. It's a crapshoot. You don't know what you're. Yeah, getting. I mean, and you'll get yeah. inspected. So maybe sure, the sure. will find. But inspectors but finally they're they can't see everything though. exactly. You know? Yeah, oh, and, and believe me. They just become licensed now. <laughs> So I know good. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they missed a few. They yeah. miss, we do well, uh, so many inspections. You, you, it's inevitable that you're going to miss something. A house is big. You can't. You can't it, really it's worked it. both ways for us, though, because we sold our uh, the, our old house in Anderson. The guys' uh, brothers came and inspected it, and we're like, Whew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, uh, they, I mean, they found some stuff. Most of it was like. We're not doing that. <laughs> what are you nuts? Well, a lot of times so. they, they don't know the code, so they say, "Hey, some, this isn't built to code." I don't even like, think well, it's a matter. We've got to come in a new house and say that stuff, and it's like, no, it got inspected. That's that was the correct way to do it. And you almost have to like, you know, tell the homeowner, like, "Sorry, this guy didn't know what he's talking about." Talk to my electrician. Talk to the city. You know. Like, yeah, yeah. This was done correctly. And we had a whole rigmarole. We had a pond on the front, and uh, we had a, a little pump in it and everything. And I, I just ran the, the extension cord, ran through the window, and we sealed it, and then ran into the living room. Sure. And they said, "Oh, that has to be hardwired in." I'm like, "Well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> you can find an electrician to get that sorted. It's not it doesn't affect the structure of the house. Not at all. So yeah, yeah it is like you know, if when my uh, mother-in-law's house, it was actually sliding off the uh, off the foundation. So they had to come and put these long steel beams in it, like little L-shaped beams. Mm-hmm. One goes into the foundation, yeah. one goes in the bottom of the house, mm-hmm. and it's and they were more than happy to do it. And now it's fixed. So yeah, yeah. that stuff happens more and more. That's why sometimes that, that cost can be fifty thousand dollars to keep a, a foundation intact, and that's why you got to be really careful and look at what you're looking at. Oh, that scares me. Call it. I mean, even <laughs> if I was looking at a foundation, I'd call a guy like Ben or somebody along those lines that actually gets it and understands it, just because you need that second opinion and having a structural uh, engineer take a look at that stuff. It's key. Mm-hmm. It's pivotal. Yeah. You know, you got to be really careful these days. But to maintain some of the houses, so we're in the beginning of the conversation, we were talking about like a, a lifespan of a house. Yeah. Like, like some houses weren't built to last 100 years. Yeah. This is, you know, not every every house, like a, a Cape Cod that's built in Madeira, mm-hmm. may be really well taken care of and in great shape and can last another 100 years. Whereas another one, just for some reason, the ground affected the house differently or just it was built. Because those houses were built really quickly, right? To satisfy exactly. the yeah, post-World yeah. War. You need, yep. They needed houses so quickly. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't necessarily – when you build houses really fast, that doesn't necessarily mean they're built the best. So sometimes they have a tendency to be in rough shape. Well, that's the same thing with a lot of buildings, especially schools. I was going to do an article about that for Cincinnati Magazine, but they didn't didn't take. But anyway, when I, my research, uh, the school right where, by our house where my daughters went – uh, that was built in 59. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those threw it up as quickly as they could because houses were going up everywhere. And then finally, you know, it lasted a long, long, probably a lot longer than it was supposed to. And then yeah. they built a whole new school. But yeah, they yeah. just wanted to slap those things up as quickly as they could. They had to. Because right? exactly, they had to because there was, there was the demand. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I think rental houses right now, are, or rental opportunities are so popular. People, yeah. they, they see the value there because they're not getting what they want at their price point. So they say, or they don't they don't know where they're going to be. Or they're they free to move. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They can be more flexible. So they're going, that's why there's, apartment complexes coming up every day that are going everywhere and, and they're all running out and fully leased yeah. because they serve that that need and it's getting more expensive I, I pulled some numbers just i mean you look at inventory is down right now for new listings 10 percent this june versus last june so that's huge i mean when it comes to affordability and, and just opportunities that's why it takes people 
years to find houses sometimes. Well, and the problem in California they're having is people don't want apartment buildings in their neighborhoods, so they have this huge housing crisis. And I heard on NPR this guy was talking, his dad used to live in Huntington Beach. He had to move because he couldn't afford to live there anymore. He still works there. And he, and he asked the guy, dad, are you mad about this? And he goes like, no, I want Huntington Beach to stay the same. I, if I have to travel back to it, that's fine. I'll yeah. live 10 miles away. Yeah. I'm like, that's insane. It's crazy that he thinks that way too. It's a, yeah. a, a testament to how great of a place it is. I guess so, yeah. yeah. So but we it, have that kind of problem here where people are like, ah, oh, we don't want apartment buildings. I mean, I guess we don't really have the housing crisis they have in Northern and Southern California either. So No, but we still have the same problems where people don't, yeah. they don't want, they want owner occupied. They don't want, uh, you know, rent to own uh, rental, yeah. rental properties next door. That's prop. I mean, really. Even just new development. Some people don't want new development next mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. The Springdale where, where the city Rama site is, I know some neighbors have had an issue with, I mean, it used to just be a big block of trees and it all got yeah. torn down. They're putting 55 houses in. Um, so I know some of those people have been upset, but you know, it's, and if we were neighbors and we lived there for 50 years, yeah, we'd probably I, say the I same wouldn't like thing. it either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's, and that's where it's hard well, because you try, try to be yeah. compassionate for the people that live there because you, you don't want to come in and just be the big bad builder or developer coming in where people just see the money in your eyes and that's all they think you are. Because you try to be respectful of everybody around. But in the end, you know, some properties, you look at their highest and best use and the owner is trying to sell the property. They want to make as much mm-hmm. money as yeah. they can. Yeah. So that's what they're pushing for. And density you know, basically leads into to more money. Right? So case in point. Behind me, there's a huge lot. It's 40 acres. It's actually four lots owned by the same family. Uh-huh. And uh, I think they had a notion when they built my neighborhood that they were going to get that, grab this one too because you go around the corner and the one street just dead ends. Stops, yeah. Yeah. And it looks like they were going to keep going through the there. county requires you to do that actually oh they do so they require when they're whenever oh. there's a parcel that that doesn't yeah, yeah. have a case for future development they need like an egress or wasting yeah yeah so they require you to do oh. there's a name for it but they, they require you to do that interesting stuff, yeah. well it's on a corner of a side that they could have gone that way but i guess since it's four separate lots technically they did have to do that okay yeah. so anyway so i'm in the backyard one day and the half our lot is wooded and, and the guy that owns the property was out there and he's got so i'm tired of people trespassing on my land someone built a a, a deer observation deck uh-huh. on my property so he's put up a big farm fence and I said, you ever planning on selling this land? And he goes, nope, it's going to stay in our family a long time. I'm like, yes, thank you. But I'd <laughs> be, nice, right? but as you were saying, these people don't want new development. I live in fear every day that they're going to sell that. And there's some big McMansion's going to go up in my backyard. Yeah. And I'm not going to like that. No, no, exactly. <laughs> I'm part of the problem. But, no, you know. but no, but yeah, I mean, hey, you've lived there so you know for a long time. Yeah, you, you love the way it is, right? Exactly. So you, can't, you can't blame my nice wooded lot. You know, in the winter, you, I mean, when it's not wooded, like in the uh, when the leaves fall off in the winter, you can see the rest of our neighborhood where the, where the other street runs. But in the summer, it's completely green. You can only see our backyard, and it's wonderful. Yeah, and I yeah. like to keep that. I, I'd be the same way if I lived there. So I guess I'm part of the problem. No, no, hey, it's all different sets of problems for different people. That's right? true. Yeah, yeah. So like everybody, yeah, that landowner that's there. Hopefully they keep it for because I think there's there's value in keeping some big, especially farming or whatever somebody's doing with a large or just maybe it's recreation. Well, there's it's, it just gets more expensive to hold those properties. But I was nosy. End, I looked it up on the county uh, website and apparently uh, I think his grandfather owned it. And his aunts live on one of the properties, so it's a gorgeous uh, 1960s-era, mid-century modern, which could use some fixing, by the way. <laughs> but it's gorgeous. And even a 66 Mustang parked out in front of it. And there's one house oh, yeah. on the first lot. is from 1890. The house he lives in is built in the 50s. Uh-huh. His aunts live in the house, and then the, and the fourth lot is empty. 
But um, yeah, I'm like. What part of town? Where did you say? Is this Anderson Township. Or, oh, it is in Anderson. So we're so it's surrounded there. by developments. There's a, a, a surrounding us are a bunch of other 70s, uh, 60s, and 70s uh, subdivisions. Yeah. And then there's some McMansions going down the hill developments. Oh, yeah. And then uh, and then that's it. And yeah, then, so the, it's the last big chunk of land probably in our area. Anderson, there's not much. I know Coldstream. There's a couple different properties over yeah. there being developed and stuff. But it's it's tough. Yeah. Anderson's like that's a hot market too. People big are time. wanting new construction there. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully in ten years. Want an existing home, <laughs> and they want them now. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the nice thing is like yeah. sometimes new construction isn't for everybody, and, and yeah. it's great for if you can have the opportunity to do it both ways. It's great, but mm. honestly, people I think existing homes serve a greater purpose than than, than anybody ever realizes because yeah. I mean they, they need to be there. If, if if it's well designed and well built, then it can stay there forever for you know until something crazy happens, which unfortunately is happening more and more these yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. But that's just you know that's just the unfortunate part of that. Well, this has been fascinating, fellas. Yeah, I learned a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing we ask folks to do uh, at the end of the episode, you may know from listening, is uh, you need to pick a coupon code. And what people will do is they'll use this to go to our website and save themselves uh, uh, 20% on a cool. uh, shirt. So yeah. you, what coupon code would you guys like to... I'll let you choose. You invited me. <laughs> yeah. Better do it after your wife or she'll get in trouble. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You can do... Yeah. Uh... It's like naming a street in a subdivision. Right. Hey, hey. I know you're going to leave a legacy. You're right putting a spot here. Uh, <laughs> or it could be a What's cool. the style of your house? Or home building. Oh, a style, home taft. building term. Oh, you're going to say Taft. Taft. Yeah. Yeah. Just Taft. 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 Perfect. Yeah. All right. Super. Yeah. All right. He's got to keep an eye on it. He's got three more coming on the ground. And where can yeah. fellas find you? Where can we find Fry Homes? Uh, Frybuilds with an S.com. Okay. And you can find us buildcollective.com. Cool. Great. Yeah. And then uh, and the City Rom is coming up, even though People September, September 7th to the 15th. And that's a yearly thing? Yes. So people listening to this in October or November and stumble on this, they can say, oh, well, there's, there's always the one in 2020. Every, every August or Great. September for the most Super. part. Yeah, yeah, they put on this, that show, and then the Homerama show is the big one, um, and then City Rama is the more urban, yeah. urban show. So we'll have yeah. two houses there, and people can come see uh, two different styles. Great. Well, thanks, fellas. Yeah. Thank you for having us. This was cool. Thanks. I didn't even know we started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Father, where's his Sunday best? Mother's tired, she needs a rest The kids are playing up downstairs Sister's sighing in her sleep Brother's got a date to keep He can't hang around Our house In the middle of our street Our house In the middle of our Our house Ben Fry and Mike Hines uh, you may yet get to see Ben on HGTV's Flipping Cincinnati, if that ever comes about. I guess there's flipping shows in other cities, he was telling us, and Cincinnati may be chosen to be one, and uh, Ben may be the guy featured on it. How about that? So we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, and that sounds like a slam dunk, really, with the variety of housing we have here in the tri-state, all the you know, old houses in like Hyde Park area and all the suburban houses we have and all kinds of stuff. So that'd be a pretty cool show. If there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, podcast at cincyshirts.com. Put podcast guest in the subject line, and maybe you can tell us like, a few interesting things about that person uh, that you think why they would be an interesting guest, or just give us the person's name. Just say, this person would be a great guest, sorted, and tell us how to get a hold of them, and we'll try to get them on the show. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state in some way. And as always, go back and plunder the Cincy Shirts podcast archives if you haven't already. We've got 79 episodes back there now with all kinds of great people from Johnny Bench to Greg Hamilton of WWE, the guy that booked Bunbury, John Keyswood are talking about TV, and a non-celebrity guest we've had that have been very popular. Now, the guy from Haunted Cincinnati Tours has been on twice, and that one's a huge episode. We get a lot of hits on that one still. And Abandoned Cincinnati with our friend Ronnie Salerno. Uh, that was just on a couple of weeks ago. The second edition of that, the first edition, it was half 
uh, old soccer, uh, namely the Cincinnati Comets of the old American Soccer League in the 70s, and half abandoned stuff. And the second visit with Ronnie a couple weeks ago was all abandoned stuff. So do check that out. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find all of their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage teas from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Portland, and more at oldschoolshirts.com. Loads of defunct teams, old shopping centers, old restaurants, old radio stations. There's uh, even a section of old video games in there, too. You can check that out. So it's like Cincy shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is TAFT. Like, as in William Howard, just Taft, T-A-F-T, all one word. There you go, uppercase, lowercase, alternate upper and lowercase. Doesn't matter, it'll still work. Uh, let me see, use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. You can also use that code in our physical or brick-and-mortar stores in Over the Rhine, Hyde Park, and now Loveland. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. Tell your friends about the show. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye. I wish I said goodbye.